I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. The new LFC 24-25 season Nike Home Kit is out now. Buy it today, along with our new goalkeeper kit and training range at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Bono Estante, Bono Estante, uh, welcoming all the forum and a big welcome to all the people that are there in the chats. Free World, Tom Boland, Stefan Mack, Megan McCallion, Owen Conway, all the familiar heads and new heads that are seen there. Kevin Sullivan's in, he'll be shouting at me now in a few minutes. Red Steve is there, Sing Andy, a bin dipper, they aren't happy about that at all. Um, Hammer Fruit is in, Dan Bailey's in, great to see all the people in. I am, of course, your host tonight, I'm Phil Casey. I, I was surprised to be your host, I thought I was just going to be another voice on the panel, but I'm not. Um, Gav is here tonight, he's joining me all, all the way from uh, over there. And then down below is Shawnee. We've managed to rob Shawnee off the, the Sunday night show. And here's Andy, my old partner in crime there, Andy, with a lovely silver fox of a head there, all shiny and, and satellite to, to bring us all the positivity of, after a weekend of positivity and nestness. Um, yeah, I, I just thought I'd try some new lighting tonight because of that new glimmer of hope. It's bouncing off your mallet. Yeah, you need, to get some, you need to get some powder. Because it's, yeah. it's very shiny. Looks like you're being sniped in war zone. You want to be careful because Gordon Elliott might sit in your head if you're not careful. Oh, right? so, don't, like, don't. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, oh, anyway, 48. Didn't, didn't uh, mark it down for the pod. Mark it won't it. get released tomorrow, right? So uh, anyway, uh, what are we talking about tonight? So it is the four, it is the four topics and um, anything else we wanted to get to at this stage uh we've got shawnee we've got andy we've got gav we've got myself we've got a range of topics we want to hear from what you guys ha- have your opinions on it we'll read someone out we'll throw them up on screen and we might even have if we have a bit of time left over at the end we might even let you pick us a topic to discuss if we can't take up of anything relevant or funny or interesting so the first topic of tonight on the forum is a topic raised by sean and I think it's fair to say that this topic has been discussed and debated um, a fair bit across the course of the season, but probably not, 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 not in the way though. I want to yep. talk about it. Not, not far. That's and and I think that's fair, Shawnee, because I think only now people are starting to really get the grips of what the real issue is. And and I'll let you take it away. Yeah, like I when it when I was asked it, I know what I want to speak about like fucking. You know from the Sunday night show that I'm literally sick to my back teeth discussing VAR because I think now it's even kind of a tool that the, the refs are hiding behind 
with their own incompetence that they seem to be just getting away with it. But uh, like these the shower of fuckers seem to be coming up with new ways every week to, to make a bollocks of things. Like the, the amount of times you can count where there was a situation that happened where you're thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And then it's just, I think between the Chelsea game yesterday and the Brighton game on Saturday, I'm not sure how it can get any worse than it currently is. And the worrying thing is that like we're all we're all fans of the Premier League, so to speak. We'll be watching English football. I don't know where they go from here because I don't know. I'm not sure there's a quick fix here for for the problem because I think it, it goes right down to the bottom. And this technology that they brought in to help these refs has only forwarded out at them. It's it's only highlighted just how incompetent that they are. So the the lack of quality officiating in England is it's baffling really considering it's supposed to well, it is commercially the biggest league in the world. Gav, mm. you've 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 had your opinion on VAR, you you're not a big fan, but like I'll say it. I've I've long held the, the the issue that the issue has never been the technology. It's been the muppets that, that have been running the show for God knows how long at this stage. Um, Johnny's right in the money in terms of from my point of view as well. Um, I'm not going to add much more to what what Johnny wants to say in it. But like from your point of view, Gav, how do we improve the situation? How do we how do we get rid of the absolute shysters that are professional people who are incapable of either applying the laws of the game or even given reasons as to why they're incapable of applying the laws of the game? Um, look, VAR came as a package at the start of the season or the start of last season, whatever it was. Um, and you know, it was it was there's a human element, and and Kieran Torrance says VAR is not the issue. It's a it's a human element, and I get I hundred percent get that. But it came as a package, and you know, it's it, it is becoming more apparent now that it's it is the human element of it. Like the we we've had loads of arguments over VAR. We've had loads of arguments over drawing lines. We've had loads of stuff, and and they're caught between a rock and a hard place now because the more you see of them, the more information you get on them, the worse they look. All right. For me, the solution, and it has always been the solution, is it needs to be more transparent. But transparency, transparency will kill them. All right. The solution, clear them all out and, and get another load in. But that's never going to yeah. happen. Never exactly. going to happen. The PGMOL are so insulated in, in what they're doing that, you know, like Lee Mason does what he does. I mean, we'll get on to Brighton's goal in a minute. But he does what he does. And next of all, always he's out with the Sheffield United versus Liverpool game. You know, Jurgen Klopp loses a game during the week. He doesn't not be on the bench the following week. He has to show up. He has to do his job. You know what I mean? So they're so, so insulated. It's untrue. The transparency thing has always been my issue, Phil. It always has been. Because we can argue about lines drawn. We can argue about what's intentional, what's not intentional. Um, you know, is it subjective, is it objective? You can go on all fucking day about it. But at the end of the day, and I keep going back to it, the way rugby union have it is absolutely perfect. But they God, this them is up. The, they, rugby union have competent refs. That's so that, that's the main is... that's the main issue. That's the main issue. So you clear them out and start again, but that's not going to happen. So what's the next best thing to do, right? From our point of view, the next best thing to do is to mic them up, and you what, get all what's these. It, what's it going to do? Well, I'll tell you what it'll do. You get I'll all have these a point arguments. about that in a second. Yeah, you get you get all these arguments. It'll make them look even worse. Exactly, Johnny. This is what even I'm saying. Worse than they already are. But so what? That's going to make it better. But the, it this, won't make it better. But the problem is, Gav, that Teflon. Yeah. These refs are Teflon because 
you can't even say that now. You're seeing two Manchester United players had to come out and say, oh, we misheard the referee. And Solskjaer wouldn't go near it because that Teflon, they're untouchable. This is they, what I'm saying like, to you. You see so what yeah, happened? There has to be a process. Mike Dean is coming out saying they should be called onto the pitch. Sky have them, McGallagher, BT have your man Peter Walton. Like, these have become Teflon. These lads are above board. But that's yeah, what no, I'm that, saying. That's like, what, this that, this that's is a serious, just... serious issue because we all watch Champions League football. I watch quite a bit of football in Italy. I watch quite a bit of football in Spain. It's not that bad there. It's really not. It's the Gav, there's one Champions League ref from England, Michael Oliver, and he's gotten three games out of something like 13 match days. Yeah. So I, that I, doesn't tell I, you. I, so Mike needs up. I'm trying to talk from air point of view. Phil's question was, how do you feel you think it would be better? There's only two options. One, you clear them out and you start again. That's never going to happen. So let's let's put that to bed, right? Because as I said, they're so insulated. And like you said, they're Teflon, they're untouchable, okay? The next issue is the, a demand on them for the people to know exactly what's going on. And and that, that Brighton thing to the day is case in point, okay? If that happens in rugby, what happens? What happens? I'll tell you what happens. The referee, and you'll hear arguments about, or you'll hear people swearing and all. That's completely untrue. You walk away from the situation, you get on and you go, listen, Phil, you're in the box. I've seen this. What do you, and you hear the conversation, and you might agree or not agree with it. But, but you hear they were exactly, checking him. They were literally checking if he blew the whistle before your man kicked it. That's how I, bad it's gotten. That's how bad. It's, then, but this is what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying. And even with video evidence, he still didn't give the fucking goal. He couldn't Shani. just put his hand. This is what I think the best thing the rest can do could just turn around and start saying, "Do you know what? I I messed up." It was a mistake because if they bring a more human happen. element, but if they bring a more human element to what they're doing, then you can understand human error is always going to be part of football, whether it's inflicted by teams causing unforced error for goals or officiating. But to, to just bury your hand in the sand and come out during the week with an explanation as to why everything is okay, case in point, the but West Ham red card, the, the Man City <laughs> offside. The, the the Bamford offside, the Watkins offside. This has nothing got to do with VAR. This is just a situation where these lads are actually above board. And I wouldn't mind, like, for, I think football fans would be more endeared to referees. Like, Lee, Lee Mason should have been laughed off the pitch on Saturday and just gave the goal and laughed and said, you know what, sorry, I fucked up. But he didn't. He had to double double down on himself. Yeah, and he still disallowed the goal after you could clearly see that it was a perfectly it, legitimate because, goal. So and he has to, but he has to disallow it. He has to disallow it because, Why? He, blows the whist, because he blows the whistle the second time. Can I just, he, the he, blows, he shouldn't. Can, he, listen, he should have blew the whistle. He shouldn't have blown it the second time. And that's but, why but, he, he has to do it. But sorry, one quick, quickly, Phil. We, we have to go through a process here. All right, and I don't think I don't think it's a very easy process as to make the standard better because, like you said, they're untouchable. All right, so the only way you can do it is a bit of carrot and stick, right? And you hope that they they they, they fall for this. And the only way to do it is to mic them up. It's to mic them up. And there's no statements two days later, and there's no he's injured, and there's none of this deflecting all week. All right, well, God, they're mic'd up already. We just can't hear them. So they, let they, us hear them. Let us well, hear them, Andy. You wanted to say something to join in the debate. <laughs> I, saw, uh, I, saw, I heard your whistle. I heard it was time for you to bring it in. <laughs> Great show so far, lads. Great show. <laughs> um, 
I feel like I'm listening to myself there a few months ago when I kept banging on about VAR not being the problem and it was the refs. I'm glad you're finally coming around to that that talk. It's a, it's a fucking disgrace, the referees, and it's carrying on every week. The only thing I'd say about miking them up, and I think they should mic them up because I want to, I want them to be showing up to be further and competent and prove that point. It's going to be a circus if they ever mic them up because can you imagine they... The stuttering that would go on and the and the yeah. uncertainty, it would be an absolute like listen to clowns talking because they are incompetent and it's dead right. They don't get invited to World Cups, they don't get invited into the Champions League. You do see errors in the Champions League with our and you do see uh see it in, in other because Dale on, uh, on ESPN always points it out, but but it's a week, it's it's like several a weekend in the Premier League. It's it's a disgrace at this stage. The only solution is to bin them all, bring in foreign refs, uh, pay them the money, bring them in and, and referee the game like it's supposed to be with completely objective uh, to the rules of the game because it's just stupid. Every week we're seeing a different um, a different problem. Uh, the, the thing about giving people more information as well with the, with the whole mic'd up thing, you see in the Champions League, it doesn't show you all the lines. What you get every week as well in the Premier League is they show so many lines for offsides and people still can't accept that those lines are actually straight and they're derived from really advanced technology. And they're not wrong. Like, they, them lines are correct. They're completely uh, vertical and horizontal. The technology is perfect. and uh, There's no manipulation. But occasionally you do see them make a mistake of where they plot the point. It was my understanding it was decided a uh, short sleeve for a while, but in actual fact, it's it's level with the RMP as a line is drawn out, so it's very much subjective. And again, it's just subjectivity in the game of football just doesn't work. How can Shani Saturday just, happen, Phil, with, with fire still there? Though? That's what I don't get. So Sean, like, this this is this is what I want to, to, to everyone keeps thinking, what's the solution? What's the solution? There's 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 three elements to this problem. One is that the laws of the game haven't been updated to reflect that VAR is a real thing in, in, in it. We still have left subjectivity is too much subjectivity in the laws of the game, right? You can go black and white with a lot of issues. You can even improve the offside rule because this idea of players facing this way and this way, if a fella is going this way and a fella is coming this way, like it should be at the hip bone or something like that that determines whether there's space between a player or not, right? This whole idea of arms and heads and it noses. It should be done off the foot. It should be done off the foot. And that's I, it. I don't, don't disagree. So this, the, the, the laws need to be updated to reflect that. But also, England are unique in that they refuse to ever question their institute, and I'm really big on this, right? Because this is a it's it's very specific to England. Yes, they make mistakes in Spain, they make mistakes in Germany, they make mistakes in the Champions League, but it's very unique to England that you can't question the institution. And we're talking about a recently fabricated institution of the referees, the PGMOL, because they didn't exist 20 years ago. They were just the referees. The FA had the re all the referees and would assign a referee based on their ability or perceived ability to get better and better. Now we have these professional, it's the professional game, match officials, whatever it is that, they, that, that that's behind them. And because they become professions, professionals, they're expected to be the cream of the crop in England. You all, you've all touched on the point. None of them are getting big games. None of them are getting World Cups. None of them are getting Champions League matches. They're not getting Champions League finals because they're deeply, deeply, deeply poor officials. And I think it's going to take... The clubs are hamstrung in that they can't... If they say anything, they get fined. If they, get, if they say anything, they get, your, your, your managers are getting reft. But at some point, the clubs have to come together and say, we want an alternative. 
we want two competing factions. The only thing that makes it better is if you have a if you have Group A and Group A are deeply incompetent and shit. We want Group B, and we want to see if we bring in a Group B. Be it foreign, you're allowed to have foreign officials ref ten matches a, a season to see what the just to see what the quality is. It's in, in terms of what's there. Put them in, see what happens, and then stand back at the end and say, right, actually, lads. 15 of yous are incredibly incompetent and we'd rather take the next tier down, the younger fellas that are coming through, the fifth fellas. The one thing I would say about English referees, the vast majority of them are fat and overweight and sh- and shouldn't and don't look anything near the level of professional referees should look. But these fellas are being paid to be able to keep up with, this, with the pace of the game. You have the likes of John Moss, even Lee Mason. They can't keep up, but they can't keep up with the pace that these games are played at. You can see in terms of distance covered and all that type of stuff. And it, you don't have this. You look at the Spanish referees, and there's there's slim and as loyal as the players that are on the pitch, and they're able to keep up with the pace of the game. You look at the German fellas, the same. You look at across the, across Europe, they're the same. But yeah, you look at England, and it looks like the front rows of rugby teams from 1994 before it became a professional sport. It's it's embarrassing. It's deep. Did you ever watch them? Yeah. Did you, like ever, when you, did you ever watch player. them when you yeah. go to the when you go to the game and you watch them warming up? It's absolutely comical. Yeah. Yeah. So, Phil, you are saying, I, I never actually thought, like, Andy makes a great point there. I think foreign refs is probably the best way to go pay them the money. But as I knew I was talking about this here, I just did a little bit of reading up because I knew Mark Clattenberg went to Saudi Arabia. But he mm-hmm. went there, he went, got mad money. And after 18 months, the head of the FA in Saudi Arabia was like, you, the fundamentals that you're trying to teach here are different to what we actually know in football. So we are gone. They got rid of him after 18 months. And he was supposed to be the poster boy for English refereeing. And he was gone. And now look at him now. It's, I think the problem is with being a referee in England, is it's different. They get away with, like you said, John Moss, Lee Mason. And then what was your man who was apparently messing around with the dogs? Uh, what's his <laughs> name? What's your I man? Think- remember, I was going, remember I was going around that he was messing around with a Jack Russell or something he hasn't been seen since. It was, and it's, I think he, he, he made... It was Kevin Fred, no, he's still going anyway. No, but anyway, someone might be able to point out in the chat. Like, they're like celebrities. They're like, take Mike Dean, for instance. He's doing the Peter Crouch Cup podcast and he's everything that you think he is. He's like up his own arse. He's seen at games at Tranmere, giving it a large one, like he's like a member of Green Street or something. These <laughs> love it. They love the limelight. Look at Mark Clattenberg is doing opinion pieces now. Like, like he's trying to take on Jorgen Klopp. And then he comes around the mass lifts and completely and turns around and confirmed that we all knew for years. Oh, yeah, we were all intimidated by Alex Ferguson. This, that's the other all coming out. Now, I don't believe there's some grand sort of grand conspiracy against Liverpool because the first year there was VAR in the Champions League, we won it. And first mm-hmm. year that there was VAR in the Premier League, we win it. So I don't think that is. I think, I think you just feel like... Bobby Madley, that's the one. Yeah, you can look but, that up. That's true. Yeah, that's 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 true. That's, can we it's, leave, it's can not, we leave Bobby Madley it's, it's, alone, please? It's actually, no. it's actually not. And the poor fella, had to, the poor fella, it's alleged, allegedly. And it, it got, just, there was a massive apology. He's lost his career over. And of all the fellas that was there, he actually wasn't the worst of, of the referees that's there. And he, he, even though everything that was put against him has been proven to be lies and fake truths, and he said so. He but, said something. I don't know. Was a racist or something inappropriate. A few mm. years ago, and that's who's being brought to uh, town over, and he, yep. there was there was no forgiveness. Yeah, okay. Well, is... Bobby, if you're watching, I'm very sorry. Uh, I hope <laughs> everything's all right. Uh, you don't want to walk for them anyway. That shower the shite. But Good I don't job know what, in Germany. what are you gonna do? Like, so how can this be fixed? 
That's that's why I want I to think, know. I, I, I think there's been a knock-on effect of, of on all this, right? Because look, I think it's all right. I think when you look at European football, and we, we're going to watch the Champions League next week. week, week yeah, next week, isn't it? Um, and... You know, we'll watch that, and there might be a decision against Liverpool, Leipzig, and it'll be done and dusted. A couple of seconds, and you go, "Yeah, that's a decision they've made," and and you trust them. You don't, you don't want to f- them draw the lines. You don't want them because you trust the process. The, the English FA or the English referees always seem to be against this VAR, and now when you look at them, they didn't seem to be able to implement it properly, and now you see the decisions they're making, and now all, all we're down to now is waiting every Monday morning to see what excuse is going to roll out of the PGMOL, right, uh, with regards to whatever decision was made. Mm. That's all we're waiting on. So the next yeah. the next logical step, it, it just keeps knocking itself down the line. So what's the next step? Like, Sean, he's asking, how do, you, how do you solve it? The next step is that you cut out any opportunity of making up an excuse in the Monday morning or some sort of statement. But, and I, I keep saying it until I'm fucking blue in the face. I'm not asking them to be mic'd up for the whole game. I don't want to listen to fucking Craig Parson panting all fucking day. But what I'm saying is, if a decision needs to be made and it looks like that, he just presses a button. And he's mic'd up, and like you see in American football, they press a button and they talk. In rugby, they press a button and they talk, and it's it's across all TV. That's it. But you see, the thing is, you will never get to that because behind it all, there's a massive ring of protection against these referees. But we all know, we all know, right? We all know, look, we all know for a fact. If, if, if they referee up 10 referees in the Premier League this weekend, right, and something goes badly wrong, right, Something goes badly wrong, and instead of us getting a statement on a Monday morning, we all hear the conversation between the fella on the pitch and the fella in the transit. We all know come Monday they're going to go. That's the last straw you were holding on to, boys. This is absolutely. This is like you okay, know, the position. This, is, the position this, is untenable. This is, this is symptomatic. That's something that's deeply unique in English culture, and it comes back to so many things that it's fascinating. And I've said it again: it's this defense of the institution. Once the institution is established, you can never, ever, ever question the institution. And everyone within that institution will say whatever they have to take to make sure that the institution isn't brought into into account. You think of the police forces. You think of all the stuff that's gone on with their House of Commons, with the Tories, the government, everything that's there. Right? The institution is held above the person, above errors, above mistakes, and is never accountable for any of its actions so when a group of of officials are as incompetent as the referees officials are yet they make up lies after lies about why they made a decision when they've said one thing and come out and completely reverse it and say whatever they want the next day to make it look like it's a better excuse that was there and then if that excuse doesn't really wash in the press they will change the excuse again to say oh no that wasn't the actual excuse it's this excuse that's what has been done through 20, 30, 40, 100 years. It's in the English psyche around... But we don't need to go through 20, 30, 40. We can go since September. But Gav, it's a mentality. It's a mentality. And if you look at... If you it, go, I agree with you. Works, I agree with you. But, but, it works in the Champions League because, again, they've made it very clear. It's the clear and obvious part. It's the clear and obvious part of this. Yeah, but that's the get-out. That's the get-out. That's the grey matter. That's, that's the, oh, well, what's clear and obvious? Like, that, that's the, that's subjective completely, and yep. the, the the thing that I think just defeats the whole purpose of this having VAR video, like John Moss could be in Stockley Park one week and then he's reffing at Man City the next week. Will the fella who he would say he's David Kew is on the pitch and he's these are all in this together. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like a fraternity if you if you know what I mean. Like yeah, 100% they're all they're digging each other out. So. 
but they're all dropping. Like so, someone says they're Michael Oliver. The Premier, yeah, this is PGM. So why don't the Premier League have an individual panel? Why can't they just set up a veto system in terms of VAR saying if there's three or four refs of or an ex-player and a couple, two ex-players and two refs, and they veto the system, which will probably only take what 20, 30 seconds if they're all looking at the decision at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then it goes based on that. Because that way it would be much easier for consumers to swallow if they found out that not just this isn't just come down to the call of the fella on the pitch. He's got a shout from the lads in Stockley Park and the four or five lads who are also there to officiate the game. The majority of them agreed this was the decision. Now, your man is getting lashed yesterday for the... I don't think that was a penalty handball yesterday against United. I don't think it was because that's what's natural position. This is like... Clear and obvious. What's a natural position? Did they show a silhouette of a fella standing with his hands down beside his waist? The only time that a player is standing with his hands down beside his waist in a football match is if they're standing waiting for the Champions League anthem. That's there's nothing natural about just standing still like a silhouette. But if you're going to challenge a player, you're trying to get in front of them, you're jostling for the ball. The natural action is if you if you play football, you put your arm across. To block him out the ball, shield the ball. That's what Hudson Adoy done. I think yesterday the ref used common sense and said, that's not a fucking handball. But the, the rule is now is you have, well, the way football has gone these days, that's a handball I've seen them given. They've changed the handball rule twice already this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is which is bizarre in itself. So, in what, before VAR, it probably hadn't been changed in probably once in 10 years, maybe, the, the depiction of it. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just... It's disheartening, really, because I think the Premier League need to intervene now because this I will get to a stage where it actually will harm the product because this is a billion billion oh, dollar. It's, har- like, it's, har- it's harming the product already, and, and we're still at the we're still at the point we're, st- we're still at the point where when it comes to a stage where a big decision causes someone being relegated or someone missing out on European football or someone being crowned champions, like your positioning in the league. It's all monetized, so it's worth millions. If you even between finishing ninth and seventh, there's still a marginal amount of money. Singular decisions will cause that. It will get to the stage where, for example, say yeah, who was it on Brighton and West Brom? If that's three points where West Brom stay up, anyone who goes down in their place feel a grave. Exactly. And there you go. They, like goal line technology, they can't even get that right. The fuckers forgot to turn around. Like so, I don't know. I don't. I. This is the worrying part. As a fan of football and English football in particular, Sean, it's worrying. You can't. You can't but but you can't turn. You can't just turn on goal line tech. Like the technology itself, it's either on or it's not on. Right. Like this thing. That's a lie. That no, goes the watch, back to my, the watch that, never went off. Well, but that goes back to my institution thing. It's a lie. They lie to people. People accept it and they move on. And that's what they do to protect themselves. Because instead of admitting that they made a mistake, and people will be better, will, would actually accept this more and would accept mistakes more if they come out and say, "We actually got that wrong." You know the offside. Remember the offside that Villa the, in the Villa and City game, the goal that City scores, where your man yeah. is like fifteen yards offside, runs out, robs the ball, and kicks it back into the net as he comes from an offside position, right? If the rest just turn around and say, "Ah, oh, look, we had an absolute mare and we got exactly. that completely wrong," right? Fine, but instead it's oh no, well that's actually the rule now because when he kicks the ball off his bollocks, it's now the second phase of play, and even though he falls over and it lands on the ground and he kicks it into the net, that's the second phase, so he's not offside. It's not. It's not every other week and every other game he's offside. So it's just accept play the fucking game. 
as referees accept mistakes, players stay up and say, we made mistakes. Managers say, we made mistakes. And referees should be able to come out and say, we but made you're mistakes. Never, but, you're, but you're never going to get that. The only way you're going to get it is if you put them in a position where their decisions are highlighted for us to see. They're not going to come out and explain themselves, Phil. We're, tw- we're 40 fucking years should, into the Premier League now. They should, but they won't. You have to be realistic about what he will actually do. And we're still at the point now where that incident happens on Saturday, right? And Mason is on the pitch and there's a VAR fella in the box. And we don't know what's being said. And we don't actually know who's making the decision. And that's part of the that's part of the grasp on this. When when it all's said and done, that fella blows the whistle and give and and indicates the decision, but we still don't know who's making it. Because the rumour going around was, oh, they're only going over to the screen for, for the for the audience and stuff like that. The second so, time he blows the whistle, he starts trying to run away. Yeah, <laughs> he knows but, but he's this, had to make an appointment. Yeah, but this is the thing. And, but, but at the same time, why, 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 it, it's very easy. Look, it's it's laughable, but at the same it's time, so if you if you mic him up, if you mic him up, he doesn't need to check with VAR. He doesn't need to. All he has to say is, hey, listen, I blew the whistle a second time. I don't know why the fuck I've done that. Uh, that's a huge mistake on my part. But the second whistle went, I'm going to have to retake the free kick. And that's actually, he's done the right thing in the end. His decision is correct as to his actions, but his actions are fucking pathetic. And until we get to a, pl- a place in this game where you either... Getting to the level in, or, or getting to a mandate the way the European football is, A, or B, you actually make them explain themselves in the actual event. You Forget it. You're going to end up with a, a big ring of protection around these guys. Excuses every Monday morning that we can all laugh and chuckle over and we'll, it'll go on and on and on. The product was already damaged by this. How much do you want to damage it? It's completely up to them, in my opinion. He shouldn't have blew the force whistle. Mm. If you said you want to hit it, you can just hit it. You don't need to blow a whistle. Yeah, but, yeah, but he, do, you, you want to, do you want to do, you want to do a quick or, or wait for the whistle, wait for the whistle, and yeah. then he didn't check to see if the ref, uh, see the keeper was well, done. You can, Fair you enough, can see, the keeper was taking You can taking see Dunk saying it to him, though. You can see yeah. Dunk saying it to him. I said, on your whistle, and he said, and you can see Dunk, you can yeah. literally read his lips while he's saying that. I know, that yeah, dunk. and he, sa- he says, yeah, yeah, uh, Go on, blow the you know, blow the whistle. Can I take it now? He blows the whistle, but he just doesn't check if the keeper's finished setting up the wall. In, in any other normal circumstance, the, the ref has has a check to see if the keeper's still setting up. If it's taking forever, then he's going to do the, do the team for for wasting time. But you don't just blow the whistle and let him Brand fucking the, launch the ball into the in an empty goal. And the brand the cheese on the button. He says there should be a gulag for refs after a bad game. There should be. <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how to get out of the gulag, whether they have to blow their whistle at the right time or call a decision right before they can get out before the fire does it. Um but yeah. Um right lads, second topic. Let's move it along. Um and it's sort of something you've mentioned, and it's a good point. It's about the impact that those decisions could have on money and the overall money part. Gav, there's been lots of talk about um Redboard Capital investing mm. into FSG. It was it was Red Ball, uh Billy Beans piece yeah. the, looking to invest into Liverpool just specifically Liverpool that fell apart as we know um, but now it looks like the guy behind it um, Jerry Cardinale I think his name is uh, is looking to invest fully into the whole FSG suite across uh, which includes Liverpool and a £750 million investment so um, there's lots of talk there's lots of natter it seems to be fairly progressed in terms of John Henry. And when I was in John Henry's yacht there in Boston at Christmas time, he did mention that he was getting a new section put in for the Cardinalis, but that's how it was. That's where Andy was last week as well. Yeah, Linda around. has a Roy in the new Michael Kors bag. Yeah, yeah exactly. 
it's, and it's that a, one you get down in the liberties, it's a, it's an actual real one. So, not uh, not a Michelle cars. Yeah. <laughs> um, go on, Gav. What do you want to talk about? You know what? We bring topics here every week, and you know we bring them, and we have strong feelings on them, and, and like Shawnee and um, in his topics just gone. Mine is more. I wanted to see what the listener or the viewer thought because. You know, you're right, Red, Red Ball were, were linked and Billy Bean and stuff like that and an investment. And a, from what I've read up on it, there, there was a, a, a there was heavy talks between both parties. And then, of course, that looks like it's broken down. Um, Red Board Capital now look like, like you said, $750 million for a 10% share in, in Fenway Sports Group. And listen, I'm no expert on this. I am, I'm reading little bits and pieces because we see this every so often. Not only with Liverpool, other clubs, and then it just disappears you know um you know amanda stavely was around for ages she was linked with every club about a year and a half ago but i just wanted to see what people thought because 750 million dollars a lot of money tempers for a for a fairly short small amount of um hold on on fenway sports group but i don't know how much difference it makes to liverpool i really don't you know uh if you value i, I don't know what the value in the boston red sox are and liverpool i don't know is it two billion dollars at this stage so what, what what are the other assets um you know NASCAR, red, i think yeah but do, but do this do this red board capital you know do they want to come in and uh, with our 750 million do you want a certain amount pushed we don't know it's all on liverpool so i just wanted to see what people thought of it because it's it's a lot of money but it's a small stake and i just i, I can't see you know a massive amount of that money being earmarked for Liverpool Football Club. That's just the way of it. Because they're self-sufficient as they are. Zero. Zero of it. Yeah. I just I just wanted to see. Hmm. That was all. Um, you know, like, Barry reckons it makes zero difference to FSG. Um, have yeah. about oh, five franchises. It makes a difference to like FSG, alright. It makes a difference to them. No, no, we mean, what he means is it makes zero difference. difference to us because they have got four or five franchises. But I just think, you know... A lot of people will look for FSG investment into FSG because of the model they have, the way they spend money. You know, um, I've said for a while that I think this summer is the biggest summer they'll, um, on them. Um, I think it's the biggest summer on them since since he probably come in simply because of the COVID situation, the way this season has gone, the age profile of the squad, um, how many years Klopp has left on that current contract. I think this is the, probably the biggest summer. So it's... It's interesting to see this news come up, but I just don't know how much of a difference it makes. I, I think the red ball situation would have made a material difference to the club because they were investing directly into Liverpool. Yeah. Um, and when I say material difference, I think it would have been that the Anfield Road end would have been sorted out and built and the debt that was taken out for Kirby would have been paid off as well in terms of not impacting as much on transfer budgets because there, there was that interview where he said because they've done the training ground and they have to rebuild the Anfield Road or they plan on rebuilding the Anfield Road and then obviously they'd have to continue to be prudent in the transfer market as opposed to lashing out a load of money like we did with Van Dijk and, and the lads when we did it right um, so I think that would have been a bigger impact on us than this Red Board Capital deal I think this Red Board Capital deal potentially might move them towards purchasing another club or another sports vehicle and um, when they look at it the, the the idea of this is a hedge fund that increases their investment and, and, and increase their returns it wouldn't surprise me if they go and look for a american football club look for an american football franchise to add to the group the fsg group the only thing that's missing there is 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 a big franchise or, a, or an nba team um, and yeah the, the, there is that talk about the 
that they would look to build a model similar to what with, with, with Leipzig uh, and Red Bull and Salzburg and have feeder clubs because they at the I think Red Bull own Toulouse as it is and Toulouse will become a feeder club into Liverpool and, and would utilize it that way. That's probably the real impact in reality. The bigger impact is going to be whether we get Champions League or not. The club generates its own transfer funds and the way it's operated. People can like it or not. As long as FSG are the, are the owners of the club, that's the way it's going to be. Um, the impact of COVID is going to have a, have a significant impact in terms of what we can and can't spend in the summertime, um, both in what we sell and what we buy. And I don't know, Gaff. I, I, I just don't. These things, until you see something material happening, on the pitch, it's very hard to gauge how much investment in the ownership group is going to impact that the, at, on the individual franchises that sit within that ownership. Yeah, and I, I, I suppose that's fair enough. Like, because if they if they told us tomorrow that that deal has gone through, you know, everyone just sees the figure of seven hundred and fifty million quid, um, mm. and they and they obviously, you know, they're I suppose selfish in 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 a certain way that you know they want it for Liverpool and then all of us would want all that money for Liverpool. That's that's how it works. The Boston Red Sox would want it for all for themselves and not the other franchises they have would want that money as well. But I think you're right. I think you'll have to probably see something in 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 the future on the pitch to say has that made an impact because you could argue that if something big does happen, you could argue that it does because simply because of the model. Like Shani speaks about the model all the time, and um, but. It's an interesting timing on it because I genuinely think they have to they have to break away from this model this model this summer or they're I think they're in trouble with the fan base. I really do. Well, can I just say something on the model itself? It's and it's a fascinating article I read. It was something that I followed on in terms of the analytics that's been used and what had given us the the advantage in the marketplace is the idea that the, the guys in the analytics rooms were using the Markov chain to identify undervalued players at similar levels and similar uh, similar talent levels um, to what had been used before. And the guys had met, there's now a commercial company in place, I, I think it's it's like called um, Modern Ball FC or something like that, right, where they sell this type of analytics into individual clubs. So, and they're providing, at the moment, the type of analytics that Edwards and the team in Liverpool have been doing is now being utilised in West Ham in Leeds, in Brentford, and in a couple of other teams in England. And they're the teams that seem to be, locate, for, again, finding gems, developing these gems, and then selling them on for higher prices. So the issue that, the, I think the issue that Edwards is going to find is that if more and more clubs are using this same type of model, it's like everything, they're going to need to find something new now to tweak their model or to, or, or to find something else to give them that edge in the transfer market. Because ultimately, you'll have... The opposite end of the Markov model, which is saying, well, if you are valuing us at this, if you're valuing this player at this price, we can almost figure out who who the alternative options are and set our price against what that is. And most clubs will be looking to see who they're selling at that price level. And for us then to get that traction, to get those pieces, that 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 little bit of X factor that we've managed to pull off in the transfer market over the last few years. We're going to need to see the next evolution of of what Edwards sees in his model or in his vision for the analytics that sits in 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 terms of how they're using. So, it's um I think Kieran Dodds asked where the article. There's an article. Uh, the most recent article I read in it is it was actually in the Echo and it was probably on Saturday morning. Just if you go in and dig into it, just type in Markov chain and in the Liverpool Echo and it'll bring it back that because it's the specific type of analytics that they're using to identify um the talent at the price point 
at, that uh, that's out there when they look at the players themselves and it also goes into a bit more detail about that they're also looking at the personal side and all those type of traits but it's primarily primarily this markov chain models that they're using to identify talent within the groups of players that are out there so it's an interesting way it's, it's and also gives you a better understanding for how we address players and how we look at players that are that are in our sort of transfer sphere or transfer window that's that's in it andy are you are you going to have big balloons out for uh, the red ball, the red ball, the red ball, the red capital, the red boards, and all the red lads? Does red board is no. that mighty red? Will he be one of the red boards? If, will mighty red get a transfer to to Boston if the deal goes through as the mascot well, look, for, the, for? I don't really like. I I just see the article that, that that's close to doing. I, I haven't seen any breakdown of what the what's being proposed here. Is this just a case where they get seventy five million or whatever it is? And that's just a payout for their Seven, shareholders. Seven hundred and fifty million. Seven hundred fifty million, or is that just a payout for their shareholders? Is that just for their hedge fund? Like, I mean, that's that's what FSG wants. They want to have a a payout. They want to um, see a return on their investment. Yeah, and I like to keep Liverpool completely separate from this for a second. They're selling a part of their company that owns several franchises in their eyes. They want to be paid. And they're entitled to do so. Or is it a case where they pocket 350 million and I don't know, 400 million goes in, 100 million each into each of their franchises to, to increase the value of each of those clubs? Or is it a case where 10% of each club uh, or franchise, baseball club, whatever, has to pay out a dividend every year for their profits? So it could actually turn out to be a bad thing for Liverpool. Mm. So let's not get carried away. There, there may be a thing where they, they pump a hundred million into each each of the clubs that they own, and that way we get the Anfield Road end built or something. And we get, but they won't be buying players. Don't kid yourself, because that's not allowed. Well, could they get well, as a bus? Dale, the the thing is, like, I think FSG will remain. I think FSG's end game will be that Liverpool. They don't have to touch Liverpool. The stand will be done. And then the, the whole club will be self-sustainable, whether it's match day revenues, uh, sponsorships, prize money, whatever they get in. Yeah, look, whatever you take in, you just spend it on the squad and keep going and keep going. And that's fair enough. And with COVID, I, I, I don't know. I'm on the fence about whether it happens this summer. I'm with Andy. I think it's just FSG have made that, more or less made that money back now on the, the initial purchase of Liverpool, which was around £350 million at the time, I think. Um, they would have had invested a substantial amount since with the, the Amphia Road or the main stand and stuff like that, mm-hmm. Kobe. So, look, they would have had put a few... that They gave us a uh, interest-free loan for the, for the main right, stand. There was a right... They converted... Uh, Debt into equity as well. Like there's, there's all sorts. Yeah. They have actually have put money into the club, but they just what they won't do is buy loads of players. Which is so. What, what, I don't know why people every transfer window just think, I think that this is possible. They're looking Look, at now. What what's what worries me now is like I think with how prevalent sports watching is becoming in football, we may get left behind, and not just those. I think the Manchester United, it's another else. If you haven't got that sort of, uh, let's say Saudi Arabia type money coming in, it's going to be hard to compete coming over in in Europe and anyway because you look at Real Madrid there they're signing a, a multi millionaire deal with some sponsor from Saudi Arabia and it's just money for jam really you know what I mean and I don't know whether 
FSG will buy into this. I don't know what sort of business models that they have or the likes of them. Mm. So, like Andy said, this goes one way or the other, which goes without saying. But I don't think that it's going to be some magical war chest now to, to yeah. dip into in, in the summer. I just don't think it works like that. I think, like Andy said, these could turn around, say, at the end of every year now. Well, we... We want we want dividends and we want this yeah. for managing. We're going to see we're going to see uh, the uh, financials from last year published this month, um, and that's pre-COVID. So everything that's happened since it's going to be difficult to to amount their losses because we're we're not out of this yet. We don't know how what way football is going to return back to normality and what impact that has on their Nike deal and whatever other deals are involved or. Uh, play, paying players or the write down on the TV money, but we'll see the because I just noticed um comment there, like we we will see their their latest financial position very shortly, the most up to date one, and I think you're going to see massive profits, massive profits, but those profits could have been sucked up the, the money that was forecasted and and planned to spend on on whatever over the next two or three years. All those plans are stopped once COVID hit because they are shrewd and they're more shrewd than most owners. They're not going to just carry on with the plan until they can see what happens, see what evaluate the uh, the damage that that's done to their club. So I do think they are in a good financial position. We'll know more in three or four months' time when football starts to return to normality. But I definitely think that the club are ready to compete in the in the transfer market, especially with the Nike deal. It enables so much, uh, and with the success they've had, like look at the they've their ability to try uh, to compete in the transfer market has improved over the last 10, 11 years, and it will continue to improve. I think. I think. What um, is that, by the way? Can someone can? Sorry, and Dick, I was comment there. What's the story with that? Second Which, game, second Leipzig game, same ground. Um, it that's a joke. Like, well, mm. the the problem there is is that um, from what I make out. Um, Leipzig, if they travel to England to play, would have to quarantine for 14 for days when they get back. And the German Fair FA enough. are not going to hold their games for them. So um, they they have basically they've, they've been told you play somewhere else or so you're fucked. In the That's day. why we should be playing Dordi and being bastards. Well, yeah, you could turn around and go, we're playing it here, but you see that'll come down to your way. Yeah, what happens, in the, what happens in the next round and, and they say, that's what you did. The mm. in the interest That's of the game, true, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, in fairness, yeah. Um, what do I know? Yeah, they wouldn't mm. be allowed back into Germany, or even if they got back to Germany, they'd have to quarantine. They could miss so many games, you know, that kind of way. Um, but I, I like I brought this topic up just to see if it have impact, and I think I think the impact that it'll have on the club as a whole, and the actual talk about money that Liverpool would spend I think that's completely two separate issues you know I don't know if like we, we're used to this model as people say we're FSG does this change the model because somebody is on the board now you know from Red Board does that change the outlook does it bring in new ideas does it look at that mm. model and, and loosen the poor strings a little bit or does it tighten them because they're protecting okay. an asset but the, the whole thing in the summer um, like I'm going to be honest like following on from January I don't see I don't see how they get out of this summer following the model that they currently implement at Liverpool Football Club. I'll say that out. There's already been signs that that model has changed. The signing of Thiago is is a bit of a red herring in terms of what way it's going with Liverpool because 
everyone when that was first brought around was like, what? Nah, no chance we sign him. His age profile, there's no sell-on value. So it does go to show that they are willing to step outside the box. I, I think this January is the one window where they made a big fuck-up, to be honest with you. And they have a reason. I, I, I think they were in. COVID, in the end, will prove to be the reason why they weren't as... it was. Don't get me wrong. It was poorly handled. And in the end, it could be looked back in neglect in hindsight. But I don't. Th- I, I think the model is overplayed. I, we have a money ball to anyone in eight. <clears throat> But the model, the model, can, model is simple. I'm not, I'm not asking. I'm not asking. Can, the, can I, I'm not asking the money just, ball. I'm, I'm asking for. Yes, yeah, hang on a sec. I just and this because people won't like this, right? And people always go, "You're an FSG apologist." And if anybody knows me, I'm not an FSG apologist. I'm not an any apologist. I'm not anti. But uh, there are there are myths that that are around this, right? Like since we nearly every time we make Champions League we spend and this people get caught up in net spend and stuff but people get caught up in mad things they get caught up in mad things right but like we on average spend around 75 to 100 million every season once we've made Champions League and people can go back and check this out right but we spend what we spend on players in the summer and winter windows is around that 16 17 we spend 155 million 17 18 we spend 181 million on buying players in in those windows right i'm just and i'm just buying players okay so when people this yeah, the last out, two the last two Phil, Shani, com- no sean completely completely agree with you in terms of what it was but i, I I'm, i've always been convinced around that spend when we brought in fabinho Keita, um allison and shakiri when we brought that that group of players in the idea was that they only had to go and rotate one or two players every season so you didn't have to spend 100 million or 200 million every single summer to, to do it you I, had the core I'm of your with, squad i'm with gav though i think they are in a boiling pot this summer and i do think they need a similar window to the window when we just missed out on champions league uh when we lost the final I, not a rebuild yeah. so to speak but i think we need to be looking at the team next year and going do you know what we are definitely stronger than we were in August this time last year, whether that's one or two bodies in the starting eleven, because you look at now what we have, the players who are there, not only are they not available enough, they're just not good enough either. Mm. And we shouldn't really see ourselves. I know we won the league after doing the Champions League, but that was an opportunity to bring one player in and another player in. So then this this window, you probably only need another one or another two. That's what United done. That's what made them so successful. And they never really broke the bank if you look at United back in the day. In terms no, of, and they, they just got the right player, and they didn't. They haven't done that in the last two. Well, I, I disagree. Jota and Thiago, it's a good window, in but in hindsight, it's a fucking disaster because what happened happens. But but when you look at you win the Champions League and Van der Berg and Harvey Elliott comes in, it's not good enough. I know we went on to win the league, but. We won the league with the, the squad that we already had. Yeah, and listen, I, it's, it's catching I, I, up I, now. I, that, and that's that's the bit for me because instead of having to go and do one player or two players, we now we do have to sign three or four players. And I suppose, look, we'll and Gav, we'll, Andy, we'll finish with your topic. We may as well roll into my topic because it's 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 probably the most natural roll into this as well, right? But just on it, if you think about it, the year that we go and win the or go to the the final of the Champions League, um. We spend 155 million, right? We spend mad money that year. We the previous year to get us to that position where we then go and sign Salah and the lads and Van Dyke and Robertson and and Solanke. Um, we spent 
but when we got into the Champions League, we spent 70 million. And again, there was shrewd transfer business. That was the year that we bring in Wijnaldum. That was the year we bring in Sadio Mane. And that's also the year that we bring in Joel Matip on a free. Like those three signings have been mainstays in this squad. And I know Matip's had a really bad year in terms of injuries. And, and last year was as well. But these guys, like this is why the air model, and I go back to the analytics side and why it's allowed us to do it. We were able to go out and spend 70 million that summer. We realized. 75 million in sales which is great like i don't i i, I never get this thing about yeah, oh it's terrible that, that if we're spending yeah but but, seven, phil, but phil this is where the big test is going to come and and we, the reason i say this is because you they've left the rigi too long right and now clubs know we want rid of them okay and the price is dropping right we know that for me, I think he looked to move on Alex Oxlade Chamberlain, who was a forty million pound signing, and I think he okay, top. But Gav, Gav, listen to me, Gav. listen to me before I jump right, in because okay. this, this, te- but this, it, you're naturally going into what, what I wanted to open is because for us to go and spend 150, 200 million, we will have to realise values, and and this was my topic. What is our realizable saleable assets in this in, in this? And 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 by all means, this is where I want you just to go with it. Like we're talking about Divock Origi. Divock Origi was never never had more transfer value assigned to him than when he scored the winning goal in the Champions League final. Right. Because after that, he, he's being pants, right? Alex Oxley Chamberlain retired with his boots on. Yeah, Ox has some residual value, but he only has some residual value as long as Sam Allardyce and Bruce and Steve Bruce has a job in English football. Jesus Alexis talking to me here. Um, <laughs> um the and so I, this is what I want to ask you, lads. Who is it that we can sell without dis, without decimating our squad now in terms of instead of having to make the job a bigger piece in terms of making it a full rebuild? Who's there that we can realize value that's going to allow us to spend not just 70 million, but 150, 160, 170 million in this window? FSG. It's it's that's the answer, Phil. Because you see now, you see you're you're dropping back into this realm of who can we sell to allow us to spend this amount of money? And this is where they've snooked themselves. Because if if you'd have sold a Rigi like you said, you would have got thirty million for him two summers ago, right? Mm-hmm. No problem. And if you Alex Oxley Chamberlain, if you'd have done it last summer, you probably would have got twenty five million for him. Okay, so there you go. You're not going touching fifty five million. For fucking them two players, not a fucking hope. You'd be doing well to do half that, right? At the way things are at the moment, and this is why I keep going back to it. It's gonna roll in, and I'm telling you, this is the biggest summer for FSG. You know, like PPX says, there. Look at the um the, the, the trend of uh, Sterling, uh, Suarez, and Coutinho. All three of them players wanted to leave Liverpool Football Club. They weren't sold, um, because they they, they weren't wanted. But I know we Sorry, are is this from. 20, is this 2015 or something? Is no, it? no, we just staying the trend over the last couple of years of who they sell. But Moment. in my opinion, in my opinion, you see, I I, I don't go in and go oh, FSG or this FSG or this or tell you that FSG are the best thing in the world. I'll take it on face value as it goes. And for me, you've just said something there. How do we? What do we sell? And I agree with you. There is players you can sell, and who are the most sellable assets? That's fine. But your your question to us is. Who do you sell to to enable us to spend this much? They have to spend that much, Phil. I don't give a fuck if they go out and Origi and Oxley chamberlain and whoever else walks out the door for pittance. They need to put their money on the fucking table right now because I, I genuinely feel they will be left behind. I feel they let, they let Klopp down, um, which they've already done in this uh, previous January. And it will get to the stage where Klopp won't have enough time 
to put this team together and bring it back and put it back where it should be after what's been a disaster of a season for loads of reasons. He won't have time, Phil. The man is leaving the club in 2024 and he will not have time if they do not act and act properly this summer. That's my opinion on it. Sellable assets, there's loads of fucking names there, but I still think, I still think, don't I don't think as many will leave as people would like to and that's why it comes back to FSG and having to actually go and do what Andy said won't happen and sign a couple of players and just go, we don't give a fuck what we sell. We have to just fix this and fix it now. Your head is up with a satellite at this stage. Go on, there's, Andy. There's, load, no? there's loads of players there in that squad. Some of them on loan that would be sold. Like, and I, will go, I don't know contract situations. Shakiri is going to be sold. Arig is going to be sold. What have you there already? 40 million. Like, we got 25 million for Brewster, for fuck's sake. You've got um yeah, but Harry, Andy, that, that was pre that was pre COVID. You can't. You, you okay, look. Well just, just okay. Look, even if they were sold at half the price, you've you've Minamino who might be sold. You've uh, Wilson. Bruce, Wilson. Um, I don't think Firmino be sold. Ox could be sold. Like I mean, there's players there, and then you've players there that will free up the the wage bill as well. Like there's a lot of players there on decent money, like the likes of Ox. How many um, have you got there? How many have you got listed there, Andy? I was just going down through the score. I don't I didn't count them, but like Six, you, seven. Seven, we yeah. call it seven. You've yeah. got to place them seven, Andy. Oh, I, I know that. I know that. Mm. Uh, and Klopp doesn't really like to sell too many players all at once because it's very hard to bring in so many players to replace them. But a lot of those are on loan are are not involved, so it kind of makes no difference. I think I think you'll see maybe four important players come into the uh come into the, the squad and look, people talk about uh, net spend all the time. D- don't worry about it. The money, the, don't worry about where they get their money, whether it's from player sales, it all goes into one big massive pot at the end of the day. And if they, if they collect 60 million on transfers and put another 60 million, Klopp will buy four or five decent players for that. We're not going to go out and buy Mbappe or or, or or Sancho or or whatever. That's just not going to happen. Forget about it. That that's kind of the model that we're talking about. But they will spend money. They've always spent money. Every penny has always been invested. Just look at the financials if you don't want if you if if you want to check. They've always invested in the club, whether it's uh, capital investments, player contracts. All the money is always uh, being put back into the team. And that's what they've done, and that's why that's why we've had success. Like, there's greater well, minds behind all this than us. Exactly. I, look, there's, there's, I know I don't give a bollocks what we spend. I don't care how much a player costs. It really does not make a blind bit of difference to me what a player costs. It's about getting the right player. Like, mm. look at look at the look at the teams that have just scattered going money around the league and done nothing. Like spending big money guarantees nothing. Good, good recruitment has got us where those got us. Not spending millions and millions and millions. Perfect mm. recruitment has got us to where we were. That got us to the fulcrum. Not spending millions. Yeah, a couple of them cost big money, but there was a lot of shrewd signings in there that allowed us to assemble a squad. We need to do that again, and that's what get. That's the hard part. Getting that recruitment right is the hard part because the last couple of windows hasn't been great. The players coming in. There's been a couple of Minamino's not walked out. Simicast. Look, don't give a fuck. Water, not water, fuck to us. Not water, fuck. Has not been available. Probably being a little bit harsh, but he's not water, fuck. Let's be honest. Robinson has still had to play every minute this season. They just haven't walked out. Some of these signs haven't walked out. Now, 
Mm. Elliot comes back next year and is, a, is no doubt a part of the fourth team squad. I think he'll come in. He looks like he's re- he's ready to go. Mm. Championship for an attacking player is probably the hardest place to learn your trade. He look he's proven he's ready to go. So Shaq out, Elliot in. That's one done already. You, you get rid of a Rigi. Like Andy said, I don't believe we're going to do a Sancho or an Mbappe. I think we'll be looking at someone like Dake from, from Salzburg who comes in, who probably lights it up and then all of a sudden there's a world-class star again. So that's what we're looking at. They will need to double what they sell this summer for us to be in the D. So if, we spell, if, if they sell players for up to 60, I reckon if, you, if they put 60 million on top of that, we'd be grand. So 120 million altogether would guarantee that we get the right players, not spending 80 or 90 million on Alan. Yeah, just getting the spent, right players. We spent we spent 50 million on on, on <coughs> Kate, right? And look, I, I still haven't given given up hope on him as as that's what top reds do. They believe in in mad things, but um, I I certainly believe that Curtis Jones has a bigger future at Liverpool than him, and he costs nothing. And Elliot could come in next season and have a way bigger impact. Now, I know Minamino wasn't expensive, but they're players that you would have assumed would have been involved quicker. And there you go. You have two players, Elliot and uh, Jones, who might have massive futures. And it kind of solves a problem. It solves a problem of having to go out and buy a big midfielder, buy a big attacking player. You, you, not, you see these names coming up every week, and before you know it, they're gone. Neto's the latest one. Or Rafinha, like the play, a player will come in for thirty or forty million. Don't worry about it. But I, I, I go back to I, I look at that squad and where I struggle to see at the moment is where we realise the real value. Like we've we we didn't sell Origi because nobody'd meet our valuation on it. We didn't sell Shakiri because nobody would meet our valuation on them. And it's not like they've gone and enhanced their valuation since nobody would meet their valuation. So that's the question on is, out fail now. That's on Michael I, Edwards. That's the, I, I, that's the other side of the coin. Like you know what I mean. He blows smoke up his ass, but he, yeah. he let himself down in the summer with the that's, the valuation of the players. And that's not whether. But that's not whether Rollins. Sorry, I don't know whether Rollins being sarcastic there. Sorry, Phil. What what's uh, Andy? But they never put them. Uh, you look, don't have to. Is that is that like is that real? I don't know. I I I'm assuming he's taking the piss. Like <laughs> they they grew this asset. Like they they're entitled to. To spend the money that the club has has earned, like that mm. is their pocket, like that is their club. Like, what's what what does that mean? Your own money. There's not too many clubs in the world who do who operate in that model. But I I, I say if if like it wouldn't surprise me to see one big sale. But the problem I have with the I, the concept of one big sale over our our team this year is. There's very few teams are going to be able to afford to put exactly. up the transfer fees that we want to go, and I think the likes of Salah and Mane will want to give it one more big season because of what's gone on across the course of this year. The one player I think will potentially realise a decent transfer value for us and will be a good sell will be Firmino. Of the three of them, that's up top, right. right? I think we need to move on from him as a as the as the centre point of our attack. I think he's his, his his engine is not there in comparison to what it was. I know he's he's played a billion games for us, and he's he was great up to two seasons ago. But he's he's on he's on a massive cliff in terms of where his form has been to where it was. Even the goal 
he allegedly scored at the weekend was going to hit two linesmen and somebody up in a stand like do you know what I mean so I feel, I, I feel that a BMO of that would benefit both parties <coughs> yeah equally I think Firmino maybe needs a move away from Liverpool to recharge and just do mm. something different uh, and look I'm not bashing for him he's been poor for a while now and the fella's just running on empty and I don't think he's completely fit for purpose for what we need anymore to be honest with you. And maybe we need to change. If Klopp changed the system and maybe fit, maybe was able to fit him in somewhere else, yeah, I think so. But you need to read another thing with clubs not having money. If clubs are spending 80, 90, 100, 120 million on strikers this summer, they're not going to be strikers who are in that peak because there's, yep. so, many, there's so much top talent around Europe now that can be snapped up. There's Haaland, there's Mbappe, there's Latoura Martinez, so many players around who will fetch that sort of money. And I think Madrid's not not necessarily Barcelona, definitely not, maybe not even PSG, Madrid, Man City. They will be looking to bring new poster boys in because they, we're phasing ourselves out this messy Ronaldo generation, so to speak. We're moving into the next phase of the, the next box. phase. Yeah. Yeah. So someone will want either of them to. <laughs> Salah, I can see why Salah. Salah is a massive global star. I don't think people realise how big Salah is just outside of England. In in the Arabic world, he's he's mega. He's LeBron James. He's Messi levels. He's twenty nine. I think he's a player who can and adapt and become even better. I think he he could become a lethal centre forward someday for someone. Salah, if we're talking about assets, Salah is definitely our biggest asset. Uh, nobody's going to buy Virgil. He's 30 years of all, 30 mm. years of age off the back of it. And I think Virgil would be happy. Virgil a lot, went through a lot to get to Liverpool. So I would say he's probably a player who'd be happy to see us out there. Alisson, not many war class goalkeepers out there at the moment, still relatively young. It's Salah, but I wouldn't sell Salah. <laughs> I'd be I'd be more inclined to build the future around Mo Salah, to be honest with you. Two or yeah. three years of Mo Salah as a top centre forward and get maybe a Neto mm-hmm. in to back him up with Jota there as well. There's so many ways we can go, but I don't see us going down the, the Haaland or Mbappe way. Uh, I think sorry. I, I think I think Firmino should be gone, to be honest with you. If I forget about sentiment, I, I'd let him go. I completely disagree. Completely disagree. I think um, Firmino, like people said, has played football for four years non-stop and it'll catch you no matter how. The goals haven't been there. Um, but the form, the, go- the goals dried up. You can see a lot of assists from him. That's dried up a little bit. But now, but you look what's no, around lock Yeah, Hold he's on. been but, shocked. But, he's been but, terrible. Well, he has been. But the funny thing is, we watched the game the other night and people like are telling you, Firmino, listen, Firmino, that and he missed his chance. Man, he got away with murder. Fucking murder he got away with. And it just seems Firmino's the latest scapegoat for me. Um nah, but when you look when you look he's just been poor. Yeah, Shani, he, mm. he has been poor, but who fucking hasn't? Who hasn't? Mo Salah hasn't been poor. Nah, well, Phillips hasn't one. been poor. The, they've Van been Dijk okay. wasn't ah, poor. Shani for fuck's sake, he's played about Wait, five no. games. Van Dijk hasn't been on. poor at the back end of the Firmino Shani, has been poor Shani. for 18 months, Gav. Shani. 18 Firmi, months. Firmino's been poor at eight weeks. And what's he got around him? What's he got around him, Shani? What's he got what around? What do you mean? What's he got around? He's, he's got, he's got, he's playing, he's playing a front three with him, right? And we're talking about Divock Origi, who you want out of the fucking club as the backup. Who, what do you want? He won't play him. He plays him as an absolute last resort. And Gab, I have absolutely no issue. I have no issue with Firmino not scoring goals, but when he's not holding the ball up, he's not doing the pressing. He can't retain mm. the ball. Yeah, he's busted, Gav. 
He's yeah, completely I, I, completely, I, I completely agree with you. But I think if you put, so if, you put more, if you put more quality around them and more real reliability around them, I disagree that you, you sell Roberto Firmino. I really, really well, do. why not? No. So do we can we not change the system? Oh well, yeah, take him out because well, he, yeah, he was not? regarded as the system for a long, long time. Yeah, and yeah, the system so has broken. A, so take, the system so take him busted. out. So when you yep. take him out, who are you putting in, Johnny? Who are you taking? You, that's what I'm saying. You, we had Jota. He wasn't Jota's... even going to get in the team when Jota was fit. That's happened very now, shortly. Yeah. What? You don't That's happened very else shortly. It does, Gavin, I'm talking about in the summer. Gavin. This is what no, we're talking about. Gavin and all now. This is fucking outrageous. <laughs> but this is what we're talking about. We're talking about in the summer. We're not talking about mm. now. Okay, so you you take Firmino out and you sell him, right? What are you yeah. getting for him? Who are you bringing in? So you no, can sell no, him. No, Honestly, how much do you reckon we get for him? <laughs> 25. No, be, let's be honest. Honestly, he's a, he's a 30 year old player. He's on the wrong side of, 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 of the age bracket. And I'm looking at 25, 30 million out the door. And so the, the question the, is, <laughs> is, is Firmino still good enough to lead the line then for us next year? No. He's not. Let's be honest about it. This is why. So that's, this is my point. Gab, I'm, I'm not. This isn't nothing got to do with the last, the running results over the last couple of months. Firmino has been largely poor for the last 18 months. It's nothing got to do with his numbers because I never actually consider him a number nine. He just wears a fucking number nine on his back. That's the only extent. If he wore a number 11, 14, nobody would give a shit. Nobody would compare him to other number nines because that's not what he is. He never played number nine. He club found the role and built a team around him. But he just hasn't got the fucking legs anymore, man. It kills me to watch it because he was mm. one of my favourite players. But we need we need to forget about sentiment. I think if you look at him, he's the most easily replaceable out of front three. He'll benefit from a few weeks on the bench when Gerald is back. I, I, I think he absolutely would. I, I agree with you. And and this like we weren't talking about Firmino being poor and, and, and not being good enough and stuff like that when we winning a league title last year. You know what I mean? I was. It's, it's fuck well, you maybe you were, but the very few were. You know what I mean? Well, and, Gabby, and, he was he 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 was brilliant. He was but probably you said that eighteen months, September to October, he played very well, and what, that was it. Then he was shocking. Yeah, now a lot of people in the chat disagree with me. He, they disagree with me, and that's absolutely fine. But I, I think, like you know, again, I'm, we're, I'm again, we're going this to, isn't a blame. You said he's a yeah. No, but you said he's a scapegoat, Gab. He's not a scapegoat. He is, Johnny. He's being picked on at every fucking game. Every game, no matter what he does, he's picked on. Yeah, that's only by a lot of bald heads. No, it's not a lot of bald heads, Andy. Don't go into this Twitter fucking spirit that you always go into. What I'm saying is... The, it's, it's, it's bald heads, Gab. Uh, listen, Andy, Andy, listen. Everyone just jumps on it now. And Firmino this, and Firmino that, and Firmino that. And you look, and there's loads of players around the squad that haven't played well. Do you know what it is, Gav? I don't think he's been good this season. I genuinely don't. I don't think there's been enough in him. I, I agree with you, Shani. I think his legs are gone um, to a certain extent because of the amount of football he's being asked to play. Um, but having said that, having said that, if I think I think Jota, could, if Jota stayed fit, I think you would have seen a lot more from Firmino. I think I think he's just yeah. Fucked. I agree. Look, and like, I could be completely wrong. A, a, a good summer break and might help him, but I just don't see it. I don't see him ever being the Bobby that we need again, and that's the problem because. The, the front three revolves so heavily around him. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not stupid to think that the fella is absolutely useless. We need to get away from depending on him, Gav. That's, Maybe that's so. my thinking. That's Maybe my so, way of thinking. I, I still, because still when, he, when he plays well, when Firmino plays well, we play well. It's as simple as that. But it just hasn't been happening enough. Yeah. I just, especially I just, I, I just look at it. Especially when Mane not playing well. 
all season. Oh, but you're not allowed so, to Mane, say that. Mane has been stinking, and I've said it on more than one. The only one out of front three he was is Salah. Salah's dragged the show on Moya because mm-hmm. he's popped up. And the thing is, when Salah's poor, he's still putting goals in the back of the net. When Mane's poor, he gives you nothing. And I, I'd say that as well. When Mane's poor, he gives you nothing. When he's on it, he's, he's probably one of the best attacking players in the world. He's been completely but, void of confidence all season. It's yeah. so He doesn't try anything anymore. The thing is, I, I agree. We, we were unlucky in a way with Jota. Jota was flying. Jota was carrying us largely. Yeah, but Jota, Jota gave Jota gave Firmino for me that jolt he needed. It was like he was shared in responsibility with him. He wasn't having to play every single game. Uh, look, he could sell fucking... I don't think he'll sell Firmino. I don't think there's a fucking chance of it. But he could do, right? But all I'm saying is, like we say, well, all these players, like, well, you see Thiago when we have all these players back. Well, you see this when we have all these fucking... We say this every fucking week, every show. It's spouted everywhere, right? All I'm saying is, I would love to see... I think you would see more from Firmino if, like Phil is going, like Phil has asked us, well, who's the most sellable assets. I would like to see the front three. I'd like to see Jota there. I'd like to see Harvey Elliott brought in, in instead of Shakiri. I've no issue with that. I'd, but I'd like to see Origi and another quality player brought in and to share the load. I think the biggest thing on this this team this season is they're just being asked to play game after game after game after game. And the people, and it's annoyed me the most, I've told you this loads, the people that annoy me the most in this squad are the people that A, don't show up when they're asked, or B, they're not even fucking there to show up. And that's that's what annoys but, me the most. But that's, 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 what, that's, that's what you're talking about for me now. He hasn't turned up for 18 months. No, what if, I mean is, well, no, no, what I mean by that is, I mean the people that last season when Liverpool are flying, you get these players going, well, I don't really get a game. Why am I not getting a game and stuff? And then this season they're asked, they're, they're called upon because of what's happened. And they're either not available or when they are available, they're, they're awful. And but does, like, does, I, I can't, I can't, I can't get past, I can't get, I can't get my head around the fact that you'd look to sell any of our 11 that you were put on the pitch on top form. Any of them. Well, I, I, right? honestly, because, okay, because you I, can I, make I excuses. You. you can make excuses for no. any of them and the form no, they've had. You can't, you can't and make the, excuses. Football isn't about excuses, right? You, and, and this is what annoys me about it, right? So, like, I would sell Gomez tomorrow. The guy, the guy suffers from too many big injuries. He's he's, he's a very good player alongside Van Dijk when he's fit, but the problem is he is a big injury sufferer and he's out for long spells on nearly every season, whether it's somewhere between 6 and 20 games in terms of what it is. And if we're talking about sellable assets, Gomez is a massive sellable asset for us if we yeah. wanted to raise serious funds in terms of what's there. And we can't, would... sell him, can't sell him straight after a splody knee, for fuck's sake. Well, <laughs> well we, were talking about selling, we were talking about selling Oxley Chamberlain last summer. I don't know how you're going to sell him because he hasn't even got a leg. He's, got, he's only got one well, leg. I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can say he's the one of the most sellable assets. After <laughs> you just said that he's injury prone and or, or not injury prone, but he suffered from big injuries. How, how do you go and Gav, sell it? How do you go and sell it? Sell, like you sell want it, this fella? Like sell it you want this fella? Ferrari, but you, you might not I'll get out of driveway. Yeah, there's a fucking micro engine in it. Like you know what I mean? I'll tell you why. Sense. I'll tell you why, Gav. Because a team like Arsenal, a team like West Ham, a team will come along and spend 25 to 30 million on Gomez because they'll say, Do you know what? If he's over his worst of his injuries, he's exactly the type of defender we need in the center of our back. In the center of back, he's quick, he's fast, and he's very good in terms of attacking the ball. And he can bring in something because he must have learned off, off Van Dyke. The same with Keita. I'd love to get rid of Keita because I just don't see any value in having him around the club. Honestly, I, I don't. It's like it's the it's it, he is he's a smashing player. But like I heard he got injured today when he went to Tesco to pick up a bag of strawberries. Like honestly, the fella is just a liability when it, like these changed players, the game when he came on there and 
Sorry, he did. He did. Yeah, he changed massive. Sorry, same with a super chat. Says he doesn't score goals. A strike and he that, score. I think this is about nah, Firmino. And we've nah, had we've, we've had that. Um, we've had that argument. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. Bobby not scoring goals doesn't bother me at all. Not one bit. Not when the two fellas either saw it again twentieth season. That that doesn't bother me at all. It's not my issue with Firmino. Never has been. Who was that? Joe Welch. I wouldn't sell Gomez I don't know I, he deserves a chance I, the, the, half the reason I want to sell Gomez is because he just reminds me of Jamie too much so that's why I get rid of him because every time I see Gomez I just see Jamie's head with a beard that's it it's like that's it off you go <laughs> yeah. Jamie yeah. has a beard though <laughs> Yeah, but when he when he has it when he, Jamie shaves his head and everything, him and Gomez look very like. So I'd, 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 I'd have to get rid of it every time. It just that's why it really annoys me. But now I, I know what you're saying, Sean. But I'm just trying to think if you're going to lose a player out of the squad to realize real transfer funds for for going on making a splash. Like we're, we're linked with Ferran, we're linked with loads of these players, uh, which are for the now, right? Um, like Ferran, oh holy Jesus! Imagine if he signed him. Look at Gav, Does me fucking head in Ferran. Pulls <laughs> me in, <laughs> like he's letting down every week. Pulls me mad in, so overrated that player. It's unbelievable. I think he's a lovely player. And uh, Andy, uh, 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 there's a lot of people getting very upset at the fact that I hate nearly everyone in their squad. But however, I, I don't, I don't. I, I really like. I actually like Ben Davies as well. I think he's a great player. I think he's going to do well for South the season. The problem with selling Kate and our guy, our Phil, even. If if we're to lose Vinalum this summer, mm. and then Ox is to go, and then if you're selling Kade, that means you have to buy three midfielders. Yeah, it's not gonna happen. No, I know, and like we we have to buy two as it is. So it's like because you need to buy one to play. If you're gonna keep Kade, then you need to buy one to replace him anyway, right? Because he's not gonna be around that much, and then you still need to replace Vinalum in the team. So, um. And Ox is just like Ox. There's no point in even talking about Ox. The poor chap is, is his career's over, like, do you know what I mean? So it's he'll, he'll, well, I don't see is, how he has a future at Liverpool because he comes back and he's fit for weeks and weeks and weeks and he doesn't seem to be put in the team. Fellas yeah. are on the last legs and this fella isn't being put in the side. Yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I just don't see. I do, and listen, nothing against the fella. Um, I think he was a different type of midfielder that we had when we signed him, but when I look at it now and I think. Like I think he's probably forced out the door because I'm just looking going mm, like yeah. when Aldon's playing minute after minute after minute. Thiago's coming back from an injury and he's going to take time. You know, Fabinho, Henderson, centre half. Milner's 35. Kate is never there. Jones is a young man. You know, and you're going. This is obviously the stage is set here for Oxley Chambers to come on and push on and reignite his Liverpool career. And all you see him doing is running up and down the sideline, warming up. We we yeah. we'll meet to the next. I but think like, the writing's like, on the wall in a massive way. Like Andy him. said, when if you're a splouty player and your knee goes, and you're a splouty player, then you just don't recover <laughs> from it, them. It's it's a double explody. So splouty players <laughs> and splouty knees equals out the gap. But yeah. can, can I ask a question? Like just on that, rest time, my boy Ox. People are, like Sean, it goes back to like if you look at the lads who are playing in midfielders, Milner's 37 million years old, right? Um, Kate is never available, Oxlade's constantly in, injured. Like, we have a big rebuild in that midfield. Like, Genie, even people are saying, Oh, Genie's staying, it's great, Genie's staying. Genie's 30 as well. Like, he's going to be on the wrong, he's on the wrong side of the cliff when it comes from midfield. Ah, he's deadly, though. He's, he's a, a thoroughbred, don't worry about him, lads. This is, this is how it's two this more, is the two more. Downhill slope, 
It's uh, in this pace um, and in this cl- the way Klopp wants his teams to play. And then we're also looking at Henderson torn and torty. All of a sudden, all your midfield are over the over the torty side, and we're asking these yeah, lads this to put in high performance, high pace, high pressure, high intensity all the time, and it is going to impact their fitness and availability. It will, but if this comes back, this comes back to the reliability issue. If you have if you have Oxley Chamberlain and Naby Keita available for fifty percent of the games this season, <laughs> it makes a massive difference. It makes a massive difference. If, uh, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, if you get 50% to help out with them, it makes a massive difference to Fabinho or Henderson or Wijnaldum or Milner or whatever. You're, you're much more able to, to rotate. And this, this is what has annoyed me the most about the season. I can take the COVID stuff. I can take the fucking injuries. I can take the lack of form. What I can't take is players that were on the fringes and looking for a chance and looking, looking, looking. And when they're given it, they disappear. That's what annoys me the most. Yeah, I just I'm just looking at lads picking up injuries. Like I've never seen Milner pick up as many injuries in his life. Hendo's picked up a lot more injuries this season than he has at any uh, point. Milner's before. always been a bit phony with injuries. Uh, but he but like it, it doesn't he's never missed as many games as he had this season in terms of in terms of what's there. And lads, they are getting older. And, and when you do get over Torty as, as as a man who passes Torty a lot Torty's a long time ago, you do pick up more injuries and you do pick up knocks. And the worst Big difference between mid for <clears throat> I know it is, but the, the, but the biggest but the biggest concern I have, Andy, though, is the backups, and that's where I go back to the Keita and the like, and and their other things. But they're going to be relied on a lot more, or the players that you have there are going to be relied on a lot more next season. And we've had to, we've had a big presence. Fabinho missing in midfield for me is massive, right? So like I think having somebody that can also step in and play that midfield role when Fabinho isn't there or we need to put two of them in midfield is a big question. I think we need to sign two. Going back to what Shani said, I think we need to sign two midfielders. I think two midfielders are a massive priority and one centre-back is a massive priority for the summer and a centre-forward. If you did those four players, it's not a full rebuild. It would allow us to do a lot then with the players that we have and the players that we have in our squad. I, I think we're I I think we're undermining we're undermining every, every time we're, we're, we get the, into these conversations, we're really undermining what there at the moment and what has to come back oh i'm not i'm looking i'm looking going you get them back so if you get the players back you're speaking about and you're going to talk about it in a second you get them back right you're still left with players in that squad that aren't reliable and it's and it, this season has shone a light on them and and again it goes back to fsg and the earlier conversation we had they're not going to get away with pawning off these players for the, the the mad money that they want, they're going to have to take their licks this summer and go. Listen, A, B, C, and D are gone, and it's we're only getting fucking thirty percent or forty percent of our perceived value. That's just the way 20. it is because because we made a bollocks of it last summer and we kept them for too long. And you know what, people, and not only that, people know we're going to be in the market, and people know how much money we've made in and not signing players last season when we won the European Cup and stuff like that. It, <laughs> They're going to have to come out and put the money down. It's as simple as that. You're not going. They're not going to. Be, and look, I've Shawnee's right. The right player at thirty million, given to me all day instead of just going. Listen, look who we signed. Big shiny thing, ninety million. I'm all for that. But it's that not is going. Either. No, it's not going. I don't think it will. Mm-hmm. But I, I still think you know, saying we can get sixty and then add sixty to it. I think it's going to have to be a lot more than that. That's that's just the way I think. Uh, Gav Adrian spot on there. There's nothing wrong with the backup when you have a full squad. It's the backups to the backup. Okay. Like, you know, we have got Fabino coming back into the team, who who I do think is going to start featuring him in midfield again. Mm-hmm. Because say what you want about Quebec, he's he he needs time to settle. 
Like it being people are being extremely harsh about a player who's 20 years of age, who's coming into a different league, different language, everything, and different setup. And he's and he's made a few mistakes, glaring mistakes, a lad. You know, getting caught under balls and stuff like that. But can a 20-year-old coming into a new league not be nervous? You look at Fabinho, he didn't start for Liverpool for months. Robertson didn't start for months. You know what I mean? And there's there's uh, Quebec who's had to come in and take responsibility. And, and he, he will on set, the wrong side last night. Yeah, and he will settle in. And he's playing against Phillips who who can't be out. Like, I, I think Phillips is get, gets a, a lot of undeserved stick. I don't know, people just don't like the look of him, how he plays. But he's hardly put a foot wrong. And as long as we have two players playing together who are proper centre-backs, we'd be all right. We're not like just gleeking goals. You know what I mean? The, the setup is, is decent. And if you put Fabinho back into midfield, we're going to start winning balls up higher. And it's going to start enabling the full-backs to get into a bit more space. And with Joe to coming back as well. Like, I mean, the difference that those two players got, are going to make is unbelievable. And I mean, I was just talking about, like, I didn't want to look at the league table for the last few weeks because it's, it's depressing. But we're seven points behind United. You know what I mean? With a lot of games still to play. We could easily finish second at this stage. And then look, the season is the se- season is right or a complete right off in terms of chasing the league, obviously. But next season you have Van Dyke back. You have a it it probably a more permanent centre back game beside him. You know, you you've um you've all your players back, hopefully. I mean like it's all I seem to be getting from Liverpool fans lately is is this doom and gloom, and nobody can see that we're we're still the champions. We only won the league last year. We only won the Champions League two years ago. We're missing an awful lot of players, and we're missing an awful lot of things that make this team so special. The fans in the ground, like it's been a tough season for. If it can't go wrong for Liverpool, it has gone wrong this season. If you've, you've had the the manager's mother doing, you know, and and the goalkeeper's father doing, how could you fucking predict this mad shit? Like, you know, and the it has to be it has to be tough for a team who who put in so much mentally last year, who never really got a break, never really got to celebrate, never got to hit the reset button, you know, and regroup. All of those things that are really important going into a new season after after putting in everything for such a long time. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a bad dip of a season, but we have been hit with a lot of things that have that have affected them. And I think I think with Jota coming back and Fabinho coming back into midfield, it's gonna be it's gonna be vast improvements. And you're only looking at Leicester there six points ahead, um uh Chelsea a point ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. Um, like I'm looking forward to it. like Jota especially, uh, Fabinho. I hope he does come back and I hope he does go into midfield. I I, I fully agree with that. And I'm not doing I'm not doing gloom at all. I don't want to come across as doing gloom because I'm not. I like to be fairly measured in in whatever way I go, whether it's negative or positive. Um, but but like Jota, I think can make a huge difference. I, I, it's just I think he's a freshness up front, and I think. I hope I hope you're right, Andy. I hope Fabinho gets back into midfield. I don't want to see him at centre half now. I'd rather just t- I'd rather take our chances at centre half and strengthen midfield as much as we can, and that'll help protect that that area of the pitch. But even when you see the likes of Van Dijk and stuff come back, Andy, um, there has to be, there has to be a chat around the squad and who's in it 
and what value they bring and can we replace them should we replace them and the answer f- for a couple of players is yes but but I still think that they've they've left some of them players too long they're going to have to take the hit in the summer and they're going to have to spend more than you think and I'm I, I'm not I'm, that's not like oh they better do that I think that's what, what will happen or what will need to ultimately happen but I but having said that when we get to June the 4th and all our players are fully back in training and we line up our squad you're going yeah bring on next season because like I said the likes of Jota Fabinho back Henderson will be back Thiago will have a season under his belt it's a fantastic squad but I still think um, their decisions on certain players over the last 18 months I'd say is going to bite them in the summer and they're going to have to react does it look the gal there's a lot of dead wood you said they're they're gonna have to spend more than i think i think they're gonna need to spend less than maybe not you but most people think i mean when we when we're we're, we look at people linking us with players like they're all they're all players that's totally unrealistic like we went out and spent massive money on van dyke and allison because we we desperately desperately needed a world-class center back and a world-class goalkeeper it was quite obvious and the money was there to go and do it and it paid off but you don't need to do that every season like when you talk about oh well we only spent 10 million uh after winning the the champions league but we spent 200 million prior to that just oh, yeah, the no, stack you've forgotten about yeah no i don't and disagree with you I don't you want to be building you. yeah you like you're going to spend that money on on them on two players you want to be getting a good four or five years out of them it's top level solid stuff and there's still there's still plenty of years left. Like the, the squad are I don't know top top kind of end of the squad. They yeah, forced eleven. There must be an average age of probably 27, 28. So there's plenty of years left in that in that squad in the in the you know. And it is I think it's just a case of going out there and maybe buying four players and getting rid of four deadwood. And then you've Elliot coming through, Curtis Jones coming through. Like we don't you just can't predict the ceilings of these guys. These are our next next big thing. Look at the best the best thing I can say, Andy, is that hopefully we don't sign anyone that's playing in stupid competitions over the summertime. Like the, the having Harvey Elliott come back is great because he won't be involved in some fucking pointless European competition that nobody gives a shit about at the at the national level. They're talking about that Salah's going to be off to um the Olympics if it if it takes place with Egypt. In an under twenty three team as two of the senior players, like I, I, I get where you're getting your positivity from. I can get on board with it, but at the same time, we've won one match. If we can put three wins together, I start to think to myself, right, we've we've righted this ship, and we might be able to do something come the end of the season. But the next game, this Chelsea match, is make or break. I know we had to win against Sheffield, like losing against Sheffield or drawing against Sheffield Wednesday ended the season. But you have we have to go and beat Chelsea. If we want, if we harbour ambitions of breaking the top four, we have to we have to put a massive spanner in the works of Chelsea and put ourselves back in the driving seat because the problem we have at the moment is we're not in the driving seat, right? We don't have control over our own destiny, over our own destiny. And the quicker we can catch the two teams that are in front of us and keep everything behind us, the better. Because once we get our noses back into that top four spot, we trust the players. They know what it's like to have pressure. They know what it's like to go into this situation, whereas all those teams don't. Right, and Chelsea is, is my worry in terms of the group of teams that are around. I think we can catch Leicester. I'm looking at the injuries Leicester have, and I think it's feasible that Leicester get pulled back into this because they're not going to get those players back in the short term. So I just think there's there's the from from toward down the two two spots in the top four are open, but we need to do our business, and this starts with the win against Chelsea. 
Johnny. Yeah, 100%. I agree with you. And I agree with so many of the points. <coughs> I, this summer will be heavy on FSG and with Gab on that. And top four is still wide open and coming into Thursday. And there is reason, cause for optimism, but you, you've got to be wary as well of what could happen at a Euros. Players dropping like flyers, stuff like that. Mm. Players coming back. So we just... I'd love to just see fans back in the stadium in September, come coming out in September. I think that will also be massive for us as well. Um coming coming into Chelsea. Like if you if you were to turn around tell me on Thursday that Salah's out on Thursday because he he locked his keys in the car and couldn't make the Anfield, I'd believe you because that's the way things are going. Like we had lads doing <laughs> doing dio- like dio- uh, diagnosis on fucking Jota having to get bleeding his appendix out and how long he was going to be yeah, like so. We, we, this is the mindset we've put ourselves in. Like it, it feels like that we made the shoddiest deal in history for a late title, and we're getting shafted for it. Like <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like we didn't even get to enjoy it. We didn't even get to go over and celebrate. We didn't see a parade. So I think there's a little bit of PTSD going on. A lot of people would have been around from the Hudson days, and we were just getting used, getting so used to being winners. It was coming around that way, and we just. Just completely shit our luck this year, and hopefully we can galvanise the squad and get them in. I still, I still think loads of teams will drop points. I don't think Thursday's make or break at all. I still so much football to be played. The league is completely bottlenecked, and everyone is playing everyone. Uh, there's winners in their side. There's nothing sure that there is winners in their side who know how to get the job done. And oh, I'm cautiously optimistic. To be honest, they'll get top four. But I don't I don't think I don't think not ending up in top four is as big a disaster as people are letting on as well. Uh, I really don't because I don't see any of their big boys being one to wait. And I don't see any of them being one to wait. To be honest with you, maybe finishing outside top four and just completely writing off your Open League next year. Uh, my my stand to us better if you want to go and win the league title next year. Joe Joe is definitely fit, is he? Yeah. Yeah, he's good to go on towards it. His Fred, appendix isn't burst. No, that was, a lot of bollo- that was a load of bollocks. The pain was on his left-hand side anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right, lads. It's been a long night so far. 92 minutes. I believe there's a, bit of, there's a bit of pew-pew to be done in Verdansk. There's mm-hmm. a bit of hoisting to be done in San Andreas. And Andy has to play, get up to level 43 in Golden Axe uh, if you want to catch up with where I'm going. What was, what, what was the shot he said before? What was it? Flimbo's Quest. Flimbo's Quest. <laughs> He's firing up the Commodore. He has to type out all the codes if he's there. All uh, night. That was he the light the shining off his head, all the graphics and all coming off from earlier. You know the cassette? He has the cassette in. Yeah. trying to fast forward to the bottom of the cassette where yeah. it starts to yeah. command. It's, it's going to be Andy in 10 minutes. Look, that game's not working. <laughs> Blown <laughs> <laughs> into the cartridges. <laughs> well, that, that war zone game is stupid. <laughs> stupid. You walk, around, you walk around for half an hour and see one fella, like you know, yeah. just going to shops. Yeah. That's that's great. That's great. Cheers for that. Oh, for the best, the best bit is. If you can find Cal Torley, who's who's narrating his way around for dance, 
Ah, Cole's not allowed up at this hour. I asked him to stay up till half eleven. He goes, no, I'm playing at nine. But when he doesn't get out of bed till half twelve, he's getting paid loads yeah. of money for not being being a taxi man for fuck's sake. We're going on the streets of rage. <laughs> streets of rage. <laughs> streets of rage yeah, too. Andy, Andy, there's actually a new Whopper version of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's still two day, but it's HD. It's Whopper. It's Lee. I know the cheats. I'll send them to you. I have them written down in me. Matt's copy. Can they get that on PlayStation One or two? No, you can get it on the new Xbox. Alright. On the game. No, and if, anyone, if, if anyone's playing Sims out there, don't forget the the R one L one testing cheats on money ten million, and you have all the Somalians in the world. You can live. You can live like a, like Al Capone. It's bleeding brilliant to this. I always play as a woman. Just Mohammed can confirm um, that the appendicitis is on the right hand side and it's bloody painful. Has anyone yeah. got a scat lead there? I need one. I Taking Jono's on there. The Jono's on head. there. Russell Wilson to the Bears. If that's the case, then that's I'm going to be up all night long watching Russell Wilson compilations because uh, that's all I want to know. Okay. Are we already uh, here, it's, yeah, it's yeah. yeah it's what? It's in Streets of Rage. It's in Game Pass. He said it's in Game yeah. Pass. Is it? All right, yeah. there you go. So now, now, you sp- now you can. There you can. You can waste the rest of your hours. Anyway, lads, um, I want to thank everyone for their comments in the in the comment box. That's great, except PPX. Sound like you. Um, and, <laughs> and, uh, the rest of the lads are all sound, uh, except some Everton fellow who kept, came in and kept saying Pickford all the time, weirdos. Um, right. Better off keeping them. Hopefully, they go to their underwater stadium soon and just stay there and become fishes. Big thanks as ever to Gav uh, for running the show, to Shawnee down there in the corner, and Andy. Down there, I'm looking clock at this stage. If I go the other way, I'm gonna dislocate my shoulder. That has been the club. That Gavin, not the club. That's I, been I'll the forum. Never I never call him Gavin again. Sorry, sorry, Gav. Sorry, J. Sorry, Gav. Sorry, J. Balls. I don't even know if I can accept that one. Good luck. <laughs> Sports Social Podcast Network.